Good morning, Jubilee Church. Hope everyone had a great Christmas celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Also probably seeing some family, enjoying some gift exchanging. I know for me, it's, you know, when I get my new socks, I sure do love that. So Um, just to catch you up, if you haven't been with us the last nine weeks here, we're still in our series called Above All, where we're working straight through the book of Colossians. Um, We've been in that series for about nine weeks now. We've got a few months left to go, but don't worry, we're almost through the first chapter. So, um, no, really, we're working through this book pretty much verse by verse. Um, This this book, the book of the Colossians, is really a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Colossae, um, not long after Jesus' death and resurrection. And actually, Paul, although he had never met the Colossians, was very much like a father to them. And you ask, how is that even possible? How could you be like a father to someone you've never even met? Uh, well, Paul was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God in the city of Ephesus when Epaphras came along and heard the gospel, became a Christian, and then also went to Colossae and told the Colossians all that he knew about Jesus. So Paul, kind of through Epaphras, is now ministering to this church in Colossae. And he heard word that the church was receiving teaching that was bad, bad teaching, bad instruction about how to walk this life out in Christ. And so Paul's, in a very pastoral way, writing to them saying, look, I just want to bring you back to and and relay this foundation for you of who Christ is and really what it means to walk with him. So that's where we're at today, verse 24 through 25. And our topic today is suffering. Now, if you're like me, that kind of makes you cringe a bit. You're like, oh, man, suffering? Like, I came to church, get to hear about suffering. I don't, I don't know about you, I hate suffering. I hate it when I suffer. I hate it when my friends have to suffer. I hate it when I hear about suffering on the news. Sometimes I don't even listen to the news. My wife will attest to that because I don't want to hear about all the bad things going on in the world around us. I mean, our culture, the way we're kind of bred and raised in our culture, you may be in the same boat here, it, it really hates anything negative in life, right? I mean, suffering naturally is something that we hate and want to run away from. That's why when you're sitting in an uncomfortable chair, you like rush to get a new chair. That's why when you start feeling sick, you start like pounding the vitamins. You start pounding the vitamin C because you don't want to get, that's why when you hurt your knee or your hand, or you, you rush to the doctor, you're like, fix this immediately, right? And when they don't, you get mad at them. When the doctor can't figure it out, you're like, man, this doctor's horrible. Why can't you fix everything in my human body? Which they don't even understand a lot of it yet. Still working on that. So suffering is this thing that I I know for myself at least, I really dislike. And oftentimes I find myself in situations where I might be suffering and all I want to do is run away from it. I mean, I know for me, the last two years of my life, there's been a, a few different things happen in my family that I would, I would definitely label as suffering. And, and just to be honest with you guys, I haven't always handled that the best that I could. Actually, a lot of times when suffering has come upon me, my reaction has been, get this away from me, immediate, get, this, get this out of my life right now. And when I come to God, my approach towards God isn't inquiring. It's not seeking to see what he's doing through that. But oftentimes my approach towards God is, God, what are you doing? Get this out of my life. God, what are you doing? Get this out of my friend's life. God, get this out of my grandma's life. I I don't know why you're doing this. 
And you may be the same way. You may experience similar feelings. I don't know, but I'm guessing most of us in this room have been through something in our life so far where we've experienced the feeling of, God, why would you allow this to happen? Where we've experienced suffering in our life where we've wondered, what on earth, what on earth could be the purpose in this? And oftentimes we find ourselves not rejoicing in our suffering, but wallowing in our suffering and squirming in our suffering and becoming even embittered in our suffering. But I I believe today the Apostle Paul wants to really bring us into how we can suffer well as believers. I know for me this has been a question in my life that I've asked over and over again is, God, what is the purpose of suffering? Specifically when things happen, what's the purpose of this suffering? Have you guys ever asked that question before? What's the purpose of this suffering? God, why are you allowing this to happen? Let's look at the Apostle Paul. Let's look at what he said. Colossians 1:24. just want to jump back there. First he says, now I rejoice. That really intrigues me because I oftentimes don't rejoice in my suffering. Don't know about you guys, but oftentimes I'm not rejoicing. Hopefully today we'll come to a place of being able to rejoice in our sufferings. He says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body That is the church. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for your sake. So let's start with what we know. We know that the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Ephesians, is not saying, I'm filling up what's lacking in Jesus' ability to forgive you, right? I mean, the guy who wrote the book of Ephesians, he says, by grace through faith, you're saved. By grace through faith, you've entered into this life with God. So he's saying, Look, you saw Jesus on the cross. You saw his nails pierced to a cross, to a tree. You saw that the full punishment of God's wrath, the full punishment for our sin went upon Jesus so that we could be forgiven by him. When Jesus said, it is finished, Paul recognized that and Paul realizes, okay, it is, it is through Jesus alone. It's through faith in him alone that we can come into relationship with him. So let's just start there with what we know. We know Paul is not saying somehow he's filling up what's lacking in Jesus' ability to forgive us. We also know that Paul's not saying somehow he's being punished on accord of these people so that they can be right with God. That's a little, a little thought that can get slipped into the church somehow, sometimes, is that, is, that, is that although Jesus died for our sin, you know, this suffering, these things we endure, is kind of God's way of punishing us, God's way of reminding us that we really need, you know, that we're, we're bad and we deserve this and da-da-da-da-da. But that's, we know from Scripture, we know from the rest of Paul's writing, that's not what he's saying. We know he's not saying that Jesus, his atonement, his death for us is lacking in any way. So what, what is Paul saying? What is he saying in that he's filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions? Well, what I, what I think he's saying And what the scripture points to him saying is that he's filling up what Jesus is not currently doing. So where where we've known, we've heard the truth, where the Colossians heard the truth about Jesus dying for their sins, what they couldn't do is they couldn't go to the cross 
and see him hanging on that tree for them. Right? Although they heard that Jesus got down, knelt down, and washed the disciples' feet, they couldn't take their shoes off and watch Jesus wash their feet. There was something lacking in Christ's afflictions and what that was for the Colossians and what that was for us and what that is for the people in our city is a representation of the fact that at the heart of the Christian faith is a suffering servant. At the heart of the Christian faith is a God who was wounded for us. Right? You look at all other religions in the world and you will not see at the heart of them a God who was punished and killed for his people so that he could redeem them. And what Paul's saying is, when I suffer, I fill up for you your understanding of how Christ has suffered on your behalf. See, I can think about, I can meditate on, I can imagine what it was like for Jesus to hang on that cross for me. I can think about him hanging there, but I can't go to him. It's so helpful for me to think about him hanging there. It's so helpful for me to meditate on the cross, but I can't go there. What I can do is I can see a fellow brother, a fellow sister suffering like Christ. And when they do, it fills up for me What's lacking in my understanding of that? You see, the Colossians would have known about Paul. They hadn't met him per se yet. They would have known a lot about him. They would have known that he was stoned nearly to death multiple times for the faith. They would have known that he was beaten for the faith. They would have known that he was imprisoned for the faith. They would have looked at his life and pitied him for the things that he went through. They would have looked at him and thought, this guy is nuts. For Jesus. This guy suffers so much for Jesus. And then in his letter to him, the Apostle Paul writes to the Colossians, and you know what he says? He says, I suffered for you. Can you imagine what that was like for them when they got that letter? They've heard about everything he's done, and what they learn is his sufferings were so that we could know this gospel. His sufferings were so that we could know Christ. What love that is, that someone would give their life up to that point, nearly to death, so that we could know Christ. You might say, yeah, Dylan, but I, I'm not, I live in America. I'm not going to be beaten for sharing Jesus. I'm not going to be thrown in prison for sharing Jesus. No one's throwing stones at me when I open my mouth about Jesus. I can't suffer for people like Paul suffered for people. I can't be a witness of Christ like Paul was a witness for Christ because, frankly, in America, no one really cares what you believe, right? It's kind of to each their own. But really, guys, there's, that's just one form of suffering that Paul It's just one kind of suffering that he was beaten, that he was stoned. See, there's a lot of kinds of suffering. There's a lot of ways you can be persecuted for Christ. Not that you want to run into, not that you want to chase after them, but honestly, when we follow him, it's going to happen to us. And there's a lot of ways that that will happen. Think about when someone wrongs you. Someone, Someone bashes your name, your reputation, right? Someone says something about you that isn't true just lying about you, and you know about it. You have two options in that situation. Someone sinned against you. You have two options. We can 
either store that away and hold it against them, kind of hold on to our right to punish them for what they've done, kind of hold on to this grudge we have against them, right? Not really forgiving them, not really showing them the love of, or we can forgive them. We can go to that person and say, look, I know you've done this. I know you've been, I just want you to know I forgive you. I just want you to know, God's forgiven me. I want to forgive. That's suffering because what you're saying then is, You've done me wrong. You've caused me pain. You've hurt my reputation, and I'm going to absorb that into myself. I'm not going to fight back at you. I'm not going to bash your name. I'm going to absorb. I'm going to forgive you. You can serve. I know for me, one of the biggest ways in my Christian life that I have suffered is I have suffered my time. I've suffered my energy. I've suffered my reputation even for serving other people. Serving is a massive way of suffering. When you serve, when you say, I'm giving up my time, I'm giving up my life so I could serve other people, you're, you're suffering. You, you know, I mean, a lot of you guys, probably your coworkers ask you, you know, what'd you do this weekend? You say, oh, I went to church. Oh yeah, what'd you do at church? I watched some kids. Oh, your kids? No, not my kids. Really, someone else's kids. Yeah. And you did that, yeah. Why? Uh, you know, just wanted to serve him. Wanted to, oh, cool. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> you're, you're suffering when you serve. I know as a husband, some of you guys could probably relate to this, maybe fathers as well. As a husband, one of the biggest ways that I suffer is making that decision kind of in the moment. I, I'm either going to live for myself right now, or I'm going to live to serve my wife right now. As a single guy, oftentimes I, I had decisions, i either going to live for myself, or I'm going to live for Jesus and his kingdom right now. And oftentimes that feels a lot like suffering. You can give. When you give your money, when you, especially when you tithe consistently at a church, your standard of living instantly goes down from that of your coworkers. If you guys give, you give consistently, you know this. You know when you tithe, your standard of living instantly goes down from your coworkers. So they have a nicer car than you. They probably have nicer clothes than you. They might have a nicer house than you. They probably get to go out to eat for lunch a lot more than you because they have more money to work with because you're setting aside an amount of your money and saying this goes to God and his church, you're instantly suffering your standard of living when you make a decision like that. But there's comfort to be had in our suffering. There's comfort to be had knowing that when we suffer, we're walking in the same path that Jesus walked in, right? Because when we suffer, we know, oh, this is what he went through. Actually, in embracing our suffering, we're not just embracing hard things that life throws us to bring God. We're also embracing Christ. Right? Because he suffered. And the same comfort that he received, he gives to us. So when we suffer with him, we get to be comforted by him as well. You know, suffering's normal. It's good. If we, if we walk this path, if we walk this path of following Jesus, it, it does mean that we'll suffer. Jesus said it himself, check it out, Luke 
9.23. There it is on the screen for you. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So if anyone, not some people, not a few people, if anyone would come after me. You know, oftentimes we talk about the cross. We talk about Jesus' cross, how he died and suffered for us, right? But we oftentimes don't talk about our cross, the cross that he's called us to carry. But it's really clear here in Luke 9, 23. If we're going to follow him, there's a cross for us to pick up and carry. There's, There's suffering. That cross, it represents suffering. It represents death to self. So if we're going to follow him, there's a suffering and a death to self that he has called us to take up. Now your suffering, your death to self is different. It will look different than mine. But friends, I can assure you this. If if you're following him, there's a suffering. There's a death to self that he's calling you to take up. It may be something you choose. You may choose to serve someone. It may be something that happens to you. You could get sick. Someone else could get sick. It could happen to you, but either way, there's a cross to pick up in following him. Jesus even said we would be persecuted as he was. John 15 said, if, you pers- if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. What he's saying is, look guys, I took it on the chin. If you follow me, if you're like me, if you're servants, I'm your master, it means you're going to take it on the chin as well. Jesus, he's trying to help us understand that in this Christian life, suffering is normal. Therefore, the question you and I have to ask is not, will I suffer? It's not even if I suffer. It's when I suffer. When I suffer, will I do it and kind of just wallow and waste my suffering or will I suffer with Christ will I suffer for his glory will I suffer in a way that more and more people can come to know him you know Paul didn't suffer in vain Paul he suffered for a reason that's for me a massive hope to be had is that there's a reason in my suffering Paul suffered for all of Asia Minor to hear the gospel of Jesus Jesus suffered so that every person on earth could be saved through faith in him. I want to ask you this. What are you suffering for? What are you suffering for? What are you living for? What dominates your thought life? What dominates your motivation? When you encounter pain in your life, is what motivates you through that that Jesus loves you? That Jesus is for you? That Jesus wants to use this for his glory? Or is what motivates you through that that, you know what? I just want to get through this. I want to be done with it. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. God, why would you do this? I'm mad at you. I'm pushing you off until I get through it. But Jesus, he leads us into a new kind of kingdom, doesn't he? He brings a new world order. You know, the old world says suffering's horrible. It says something to be running away from, something to hide from. The new world says suffering advances his causes. If you think about suffering like going up a narrow, windy, beaten path where you just get nailed sometimes, 
on the front end, it looks like a horrible journey to follow Jesus. Right? On the front end, it, Paul says, if, if there's no hope for resurrection, if there's no hope for a future life, then you and I, we're the most of all to be pitied. We're wasting our time here on Sunday. We're wasting our time when we suffer. But, but what, what's Paul's hope in? His hope is in there's a future glory. There's a future ahead of this suffering. On the front end, it looks horrible. On the back end, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. On the back end, there is eternal life, not only for us, but for the people whom we suffer for. You know, if Jesus didn't suffer, then he didn't get us. If he, before he went to that cross, said, you know what, God? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to face this cross. Then he, didn't, he wouldn't get us. He wouldn't have been able to forgive us. He wouldn't have died to forgive our sins. He wouldn't have been able to redeem us from our sins. If Paul didn't suffer, then, the, then people in Ephesus, Epaphras specifically, may not have become a Christian. The Colossians may not have had a church. Some of you and I may not be here today if Paul hadn't embraced his sufferings. I want to jump back to Colossians 1.25 real quick here. A little bit through the verse, Paul tells us why he suffers. He tells us the reason for his suffering. He says in verse 25, to make the word of God fully known. To make the word of God fully known. So what's he saying there? He's saying, when I suffer, I advance the cause of Christ. He's, he's kind of like, he's a quarterback, and he's on a football team with the church, and he's saying, guys, when I suffer for you, when I endure these things for you, it's like we got a 15-yard pass down the field. It's like we just got a massive reception. We're moving. We're advancing this kingdom here on earth. And he says, you know, when I hide from my suffering, when I don't embrace my when I don't run into what God's called me to, it's like we get sacked. It's like our team just takes this massive hit. But when I suffer, it's to make the word of God fully known. You might say, yeah, but what gospel advance can come through my suffering? What joy is there stored up for me? You know, Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him, Dylan, but what's the joy set before me? I mean, Jesus has already died to forgive sin, right? Paul nearly died, so the, the, but what joy is set before us? I just want to run through a few of the examples we used earlier. That, that moment of being able to forgive someone, what joy is set before me when I forgive someone? Well, first of all, you get to fill up for them what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. So where they may have heard the gospel, where they may have heard about Jesus, and yet they're cynical and hard towards Christianity because all they've seen is hypocrites who preach a God of love and then don't love themselves. You get to fill up for them. You get to make it colorful, the picture they see of Jesus. Also, we don't live just for this life. You guys know that, right? There's, there's a future life to come. There's a hope in heaven that we have storing up for us eternal life. You know we're, gonna, we're going to see him face to face. We're going to stand before Jesus and he's going to ask us, what would you do with what I gave you? How'd you live that life on earth? What joy you'll have to say, Lord, I forgave as you forgave me. 
Lord, I forgave as you for-. And the next words out of his mouth, I promise you, it will be worth forgiving that person. It will be worth knowing, okay, I, I filled up what was lacking. When he says, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, those words, they're going to come out of Jesus' mouth. Because we forgave those who forgave us. When you serve, you're filling up what's lacking. There's a guy in the church, Ron Richardson. He, uh, him and I have been friends since he started coming to the church. And um, this guy fills up for me all the time what is lacking in Jesus' afflictions. Because I, every time I turn my head around, he's serving someone else. I, I come in on Sundays, he's serving the J-Kids. I talk to him during the week, he's serving his community group. I turn around, he's serving his wife. He's serving his kids. This guy's like serving every time I talk. And he works a full-time job, and he's so involved in the church. And oftentimes I look at his life and just think, God, I see more what it's like to become a servant to all and to wash people's feet when it costs me. I just, I want to be like him. I want to be like you in being like him. He's filling up for me what Jesus has done for us. Husbands mentioned you earlier, just, man, the opportunity we have. Fathers as well, just to fill up the love of God towards our families. I mean, it's just life is so short. It's here and then it's gone. It's such an opportunity to fill up what is lacking for our families. To really see how much God loves them. When we, I mean, guys, this is hard for me. This is hard for me a lot of days. And, and this is what keeps me on my knees, saying, God, change my heart. God, it changed me. When I come home, I don't want to just be a bum on the couch. When I come home, I want to serve my family. Guys, we need Jesus. We need him showing us what it's like to be a suffering servant to our families. When you give, you know the joy set before you when you give? Not only do you get to look back on your life and say, I didn't live for a bigger house. I didn't live for a nicer car. I didn't live for better clothes. I didn't live so that people would like me. I lived and I spent my money so that more and more people could know the great love of God. That's what I lived for. Okay, first of all, that is worth it. That is totally, completely, utterly worth every penny of saying, this goes towards your kingdom, oh God. Secondly, And we're in heaven, guys. We'll get to see all the people who came to Christ through all the things that we've done. That is a joy set before us that we have. Anything that costs us now, anything that burdens us now that we are doing for Christ, there is a joy set before us. But back to money. I mean, even if that doesn't motivate, even if the people that come to Christ doesn't motivate you, knowing just it's a good investment, it's wise. It's good, it's good stewardship of your money because everything here on earth will fade. It will pass away. That car will break down. Those clothes will fade away. Eventually, they'll just turn into dust and all that. 
in heaven, our treasure does not fade. This guy named Jim Elliott, he was, he's just a hero, really. This quote is one of my favorite quotes. It should be on the screen for us. There it is. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So you've given your money, and now your standard of living is less than your coworkers. You've given your time, and now you look like a fool for serving not even your own kids, right? Guys, oftentimes as a Christian, I, if I can just be honest with you, I feel like a fool. I, I, my, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We're like, man, we just like pour ourselves out and we kind of get punched in the face by somebody, you know? Or we, you know, give our money away and then we're like, oh man, like I really wish I had that and I really wish I had that and I really wish I had that. Guys, we are not fools. We may feel like fools sometimes. We are not fools. You are not a fool for giving that which you cannot keep to gain that which you cannot lose. You're storing up for yourself treasure, abundant treasure in heaven. This is hard for us sometimes. This is really hard for me, especially when suffering comes into my life. I mean, I can nod my head. I can say these things up here, but I know in a few months something hits me. This is still going to be hard for me. And I, I really think some of the reasons why it's so hard for me and maybe why it's hard for us is that we don't expect it. We don't live thinking, okay, this life isn't all I have. We don't live thinking, yeah, hardship will come my way, but Christ will be. We don't kind of live with that way of thinking. As a matter of fact, we don't really expect that anything bad should happen to us. Especially if we're in the church and we're doing what God wants us to do. When something hard comes, it's kind of like, whoa, dude. Like, I was serving on your team. I was, like, throwing you the ball. And now you hit me with this thing. Like, why would you do that? Right? I mean, we can all admit that. Like, we think we're, you know, living and it feels like God does this injustice to us. But the question is, like, really, should we feel that way? I mean, first of all, like, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, like, anything above death and eternal punishment in hell is a gift, right? So, like, first of all, okay, let's clear the plate there. Second of all, I mean, is that really what God wants for us? It's just a comfortable, easy life where we never really have to lean into him, where we never really have to trust I mean, is that really what he, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just, I mean, is that really what he wants for us? I was thinking when I was preparing this about um, Paul, you know, when he first met Jesus. And Jesus knocks him off his horse, make him, makes him go blind. And then Jesus goes to this guy who's a Christian, Ananias, and says, Ananias, I want you to go to Paul, and I want you to pray for him that he'd receive his sight. He's going, to be, you know, he's going to be a servant of mine. And Ananias is like, whoa, 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 Jesus. I've heard about this guy, Paul. I've heard about what he's done to Christians. I'm not really sure I want to put myself in that situation. Jesus, thank you, but no thank you. Jesus 
kind of lays out Paul's ministry for Ananias. I mean, it's interesting, actually, that Jesus doesn't say this to Paul first, but he says it to Ananias first. And he, he really paints for Ananias what the life and ministry of Paul is going to look like. And I don't know about you guys, but when I look back and I see that the Apostle Paul wrote like more of the New Testament than any other author, when I see how many churches he planted and how much of a father he was, I think this calling has got to be epic, right? Like this calling has to be the, the, the most amazing, beautiful, glorious calling I've ever seen. And it is a part of it. Acts 9.15, here's what Jesus said to Ananias. But the Lord said to him, to Ananias, go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. That's awesome, right? Paul, go, he's a servant of mine. He's going to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, children of Israel. Yeah, Paul's amazing. But we, (laughs) it's not done, is it? Yeah. We always forget this line. We forget to go on to the next sentence. Jesus says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like to think that my Jesus would say that. I don't like to think that Jesus would say, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer to someone else, let alone to me. And you might say, yeah, but Paul, he was like so mean to Christians. He did so many bad things. And, you know, he's a believer now and he's saved. But Jesus is just like, I'm going to get you back. (laughs) That's not what he's doing. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's, He's matching these two things up. You want to do great things for God? It's going to cost a lot in this life. You want to follow after him? There's a cross to carry. There's a cross to carry for us. Now the good news is that we don't carry that cross by ourselves. Jesus carried that cross by himself. We don't carry that cross by ourselves. I want to move to Peter. Peter encourages us not to be surprised. He calls us beloved. That's amazing. <laughs> calls us beloved. We're the beloved of God. He says, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Are you surprised oftentimes when trials come? Are you surprised when suffering comes your way? This is Peter's instruction to us. Don't be surprised. It's coming. Expect it. Don't be surprised. But, but what? But rejoice. Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. See the good news? We rejoice because, although we suffer with him now, we will also, we'll also be able to rejoice at what's coming when his glory is revealed. See, heaven's coming. It will be here before we know it. And we 
can have joy in our suffering now because there's a glory to be revealed. I want to really today in this sermon just suggest to us a new way of thinking. I want to suggest that maybe we take off this way of thinking and lay it aside that says, I, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to embrace I don't want to embrace the hard things that might be in my life now or to come. I just want to take off this thinking that says God wouldn't use this for his glory. God wouldn't use this for, his, for our good. I want to just suggest to us that we put on this new way of thinking that allows us to really embrace, really embrace suffering that comes into our life. Not just embrace the suffering itself, but embrace Christ in that suffering. Embrace who he is and what he wants to do in and through us in that. I want to suggest that we would begin to rejoice in suffering. Begin to rejoice that he's given us this opportunity to know him better, to show him to other people more. I want to suggest that we start giving God glory for the things he lets us go through. And I want to just ask you to imagine with me what your life would be like if you did. What would change in your heart? What would change in your thinking? What would change in the way you lived if you took on this new way of thinking? What would change in the people around you, right? What would change in the people around you if you began thinking of yourself as a suffering servant for those around you? How many people who are calloused towards Christianity would have a softened heart? How many people who have said, they're hypocrites, I'm done with them, would actually begin to consider, maybe this faith is true? And let's just even put a time frame on it. Let's say we're coming out of 2013, it's a new year. What if in 2014, this is the way you thought? Not your, not your family member, not your wife. What if you thought this way? What would change? We're a church of five, 600 people across three locations. It's a pretty large number of people who have the potential to make quite an impact on our city. I want to just dream together for a minute what it would be like if our church took on this way of thinking. If our church, every one of us, began to think of ourselves as servants of Christ, as people who may endure hard things, but for the sake of filling up. I want to just imagine, what would that be like? How would community change, right? If we're all giving ourselves up for each other. What would... What would the radiance of our church be like? What would the vibe of our church be like? To have people who are rejoicing in their suffering. You know, Jesus said that we are to be a city set on a hill. I think if we were to embrace this, we would be like a city set on a hill. I think if we were to embrace this, we would be like a light in the midst of darkness. 
Someone in our church, um, I want to invite her up actually, Denise Davis. She's been a member of Jubilee for a little while now, and she um, she's just went through some what I would consider suffering in her life about nine months ago, and God's just been doing some amazing things in her life through it. And I want to just give her the last word today, kind of to share with us what God has done in her life and how through suffering, actually, he's brought glory to himself. So, Denise, maybe you could just share with everyone what happened nine months ago and kind of how that affected you. Okay. Well, nine months ago, on March 17th, um, I found that my fiancé was very, very ill unexpectedly. And throughout the day, my prayers and the prayers of my families weren't really being answered. He got worse and worse. And I woke up in the middle of the night to find that he had stopped breathing. The shock and disbelief that set in immediately was just unreal. I couldn't believe that God hadn't answered my prayers, that he didn't heal him when I knew that he could. I felt like he had forgotten about me and had forgotten about Will. I also felt like he was punishing me for focusing too much on my relationship with Will and not focusing enough on my family or enough on God, of course. The hardest part for me, though, was just seeing my family suffering with me, everybody just crying and broken up. To hear my dad say that it wasn't fair, that Will should be burying him, not the other way around, it just broke my heart. And that first night, I just remember holding my mom and her just telling me that everything would be okay, and I just told her that I didn't want to live without him, that I didn't know how I would get through one single day without him, and I just didn't know why God would allow this. This is the hardest thing I've ever faced in my life, and it could have just easily destroyed me. Yeah. Maybe just share with us, Jolene, what God spoke to you through that and kind of what he's been doing in your life since then. <laughs> you called me my sister's name. What did you say? You called me my sister's name. Oh, I'm sorry. It's right. <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, well, he really just reassured me that he has a higher plan for me, that it's not about me and it's not about Will, that there's purpose in our pain. And a few days after Will died, I was just laying in bed and basically begging God to just let me die with him, that I didn't want to go on without him. And I felt like God just spoke to me and told me that Will's work here on this earth is done, but mine isn't. So get up and get going. <laughs> and through all of it, I just felt like God was encouraging me to just be open with him, to just come to him as his daughter. And even though I was questioning him, I felt like I couldn't be honest about it, that I had no right to question the creator of the universe. Who did I think I was to ask him why he did something? But I just felt reassured that he's big enough to handle my anger and my questions. I felt reassured that he wanted me to grieve. It was okay for me to cry. Jesus wasn't ignoring me. He was with me in my pain. He was crying with me as I was crying. And I just felt like God was assuring me that through all of it, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Because Jesus conquered the grave. And he'll be coming back, and I'll see Will again, and I'll see Jesus face to face again. Although I was still really struggling with the question of why, I heard a sermon about Lazarus, and I'm sure all of you know the story. And in John, it says that because Jesus loved Martha and Lazarus, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed in the place where he was two days longer. 
And it seems so strange to me. Why would Jesus stay there? He could just go to him and heal him. He could have healed Will instantly. Why, why wouldn't he do it? Well, it's because more of God's glory could be revealed through his death. And if Will died so that more people could come to know his love and his comfort and what he can do in your life, then I can rejoice in Will's death. Even though I miss him terribly every second of every day, I thank God for the beauty that he has brought from this pain. And I thank God for the lives that he's touching through this. And it's actually ironic because I feel more love and joy now that I'm single and I'm alone than I've felt in my entire life. Jesus really brought me from a point of literally wanting to die and thinking that I would never smile or laugh again to giggling like a schoolgirl with my sister Jolene (laughs) every single day. So I just encourage you that whatever you're going through, whatever pain it is, whatever suffering, just be honest with God about it. Tell him how you're feeling. He's big. He can handle it. You, You can go to him and just let him love you past your brokenness and past your pain. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Denise. Maybe you're like Denise and maybe like she was, you know, nine months ago and just really struggling with the why God, really struggling with things that are going on in your life. Maybe you're, maybe there isn't suffering in your life right now. Just encourage all of us to really hear what God is saying today, to really hear that God is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, in spite of anything you might go through. And actually, he wants to bring glory to himself through what we're going through.